Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Content and Caffeine. I'm really glad you could join me today. This week, I was joined by Antonio Wedrell. He is the CEO and co-founder of Novos, which is an SEO and content marketing agency, and they specialize in the e-commerce sector. So some of their clients include Patch, which is a really cool London-based company selling sort of herb growing kits and uh, and plant growing kits, which is really, really taking off in London and across the UK, I believe. And also Made.com, which is uh, a company that's growing really fast, an online IKEA competitor. Um, so these guys at Novos have got some some really good insights, uh, having worked with some some really big companies and fast growing companies. And Antonio spoke a lot about you know content and commerce, how a, a, a company, whether they're selling physical products or digital products, how they can use content to differentiate themselves in the market. It's a lot of really interesting uh, tidbits of information. Some, we, we talk about some really cool tools that you can use as well, and some little hacks that you can use to boost your SEO for individual landing pages and product pages. So I hope you enjoy it. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Wordify, the content marketing agency for SaaS companies. If you want to hear more about how Wordify can help your SaaS or software company grow, head over to wordify.co. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Content and Caffeine. Today I'm joined by Antonio Wedrell, the founder of Novos, an SEO and content marketing company that specializes in the e-commerce space with clients such as Patch and Made.com. Antonio, thanks for joining me today. You're welcome, no, thanks for having me on. No problem at all. As usual, if we're having a coffee, and we may be having a coffee soon, I believe, <laughs> what, what, will you be, what will you be ordering? I'm I'm a bit peculiar. I usually go for a single espresso compana, which is like an, just a single shot of espresso with a little bit of whipped cream on top. But if I'm not feeling that needy, I usually just go for a single espresso. <laughs> okay, I've never actually heard of that. That's interesting. I'm gonna try yeah, that. Go, out. Yeah, go to your local, go to your local cafe and just ask for an espresso compana. You'll either get two responses. They'll look either very confused or you, or they'll look <laughs> very impressed with you. So. Yeah, I mean, when you said that, I had the confused expression for sure because I've never heard of it. But that sounds like it could really work. So I'm gonna take you up on it, offer. Uh, so today. Today we were talking about uh, content and commerce, right? So you obviously coming from uh, a background of working with e-commerce companies. Um, I want to, you know, I want to touch on this subject of, you know, how, you know, how a company selling, whether it's digital products or physical products, how the average e-commerce company can use content to differentiate themselves in a market, to differentiate differentiate themselves from their competitors. Because we hear this sort of buzz phrase a lot, content commerce, content commerce, content is so great for commerce. But what does that actually mean in practice? And how can an e-commerce company that just that just sells and they're only used to selling, how can they get started with content? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's looking at your customers as people you want to inspire and help nowadays. So, so what used to work back in the day was you have a product or you have a range of products, fantastic, great idea. And then what you want to do is you just try and sell it and you just spam people with it. So you're like, look, we've got this product, this product, this product. It used to work. Nowadays, people are a lot smarter. There's a lot more options out there. So what people want is to feel some sort of connection with a brand. So it's sort of, again, it's sort of just like the fundamentals of marketing almost. It's like the principles, like you always just try and explore what your target audience wants. So the main thing that we always say to all clients with content is try and write stuff that is going to help the user, not sell to them, because they already know that you sell products. And if they want to buy from you, they'll buy from you, whether you've had loads of adverts pointing to them or not, they'll, they'll, they'll buy from you. Whereas if you've got very helpful educational content, such as how to's, things like this, then they're more than, they're more likely going to have a connection with you. They'll find you helpful. And if they don't, buy in that second they'll remember you two weeks later when they do actually need a product that you stocked so we always say just how can you help your customer buy your product rather than why do they need to buy your product 
Right, that's um, that's spot on. I think. I mean, when when you say you know doing these sort of how tos and and, and the basically educational content, right, and helpful content, content that your audience can actually benefit from, rather than just being a sales a sales pitch essentially. So when when it, when a company is doing that, should they be doing these blog, whether it's a blog post or a video, should they be doing that with the intention to have a CTA in there at some stage to always link back to a product? Or should it not be so one dimensional? Should they be coming from an angle where, you know, this is just purely educational around our niche and it may or may not, you know, link to our product directly, but you know, we're just sort of providing education around our niche. What's your perspective on that? No, because again, it's that it's finding that middle ground. I think in general, in our industry, as you'll know, people, people, I think people complicate things quite a lot, and it's become this sort of complicated thing to do digital marketing and to run a website when really it's not. So it's sort of the same principle of write helpful content and think of the end user in mind. But at the same time, you've got a goal, and your goal is to sell your product. Like ultimately, you want to help your users, and that's fine. But the bottom line is you just want them to buy. That's that's always going to be the bottom line. So you need to find that middle line. So we always say like, if you can even if you write a helpful bit of content or you write a promotional bit of content, it doesn't matter. Always make sure that throughout the article, you've got a few links to products. At the end, we always say have two CTAs. So one is commercially focused. So we always say try and link back to a category page or something like this. Then after that, we say link uh, is more sort of a user focus. So link back to maybe another article. So alternatively, read our article on this. So it sort of keeps them on the site. But it's, all, it's, it's just finding that right balance. And it is, it, is, it is a fine skill. Like we've seen, like sometimes we do writing ourselves, stuff like this. But at the same time, like we just sometimes educate clients on how to write them because they've got in-house content teams. And the main thing we always say is just find that balance. It usually takes them three or four times. But even if you're writing helpful content, you, you want to still plug in your products. You want to plug in what it is you sell, why people should still buy from you around the whole how I can help you, how I'm going to help you buy, take you off the journey, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good tip to have like two CTAs at the bottom or, or wherever you have your CTAs. One is like, you know, commercially driven where it's just like, you know, you, you've read an article about, you know, um, plants. So here's here's a, here's a link to our, our, our flower section. And the other one is just, you know, if you want to remain in the, in, the, in the funnel, so to speak, you want to keep learning and keep educating yourself with our content, then here's a CTA just to, you know, a relevant blog post or a relevant video. It makes a lot of sense. And, you know, they're, they're, again, you have to find out sort of middle ground between not just giving them a direct sales message right at the end, but it's, you know, if, you, if you're looking for the sale, then it's there. If you're looking for more content, then that's also there. And I think that's, um, that's how content and commerce actually works together because you can, you can continue educating and continue selling it simultaneously and giving, and giving the customer the option to, you know, whether they want to complete their sort of uh, shopping cycle or not. And um, yeah, I think that's how, how the, uh, the whole content and commerce thing comes together. Okay, um, so when it comes to content gap analysis, this is something else I wanna talk about because if a company has, you know, they have a couple of blog posts, they've started to do something on the content side, you know, they've, they've understood that it's important, but they're not sure, you know, things aren't happening as, as, as they're supposed to. So what, how does a content gap analysis work? What, what's uh, involved and can a company carry that out internally? What, what's the mechanics there? Yeah, I think, so the first step is always gonna be just analyze your competitors. And um, I think that's a, I think that's a step that a lot of people sometimes ignore and it's, it's surprising, it's quite surprising because you'd, you'd, you'd assume that it's like the first go-to, but it's just analyze your competitors. So what are your competitors in the space doing content-wise? Then what you wanna do is take that and use for us, it's SEO. For if you're a social media company or you're focusing on social media, maybe something like BuzzSumo, stuff like this. But for us, what we then do is we then use a tool like SEMrush, which we just pay for each month. Um, it's a really good tool. 
And then we basically just put in, there's, there's, there's a function known as like competitor, like audit essentially. So what you can do is just like analyze four different competitors, including your company's URL. And then you pitch those against each other and then you can see keyword rankings for specific keywords. So you can see, for example, that your competitor ranks, I don't know, position 14 for a keyword you rank 25 for. And then you can sort of analyze the content that you may be missing out on. So and when I'm talking about content, it could be landing pages. It doesn't just have to be blog content. So it could be landing pages. It could be blog content. But then using that as a base to understand, okay, these guys are ranking higher than us for this keyword. We don't really have a well-optimized page for this or we don't maybe have a page at all for this. We should really create one because we want to try and overtake our competitors for this keyword because it's got a lot of search volume. Okay, makes a lot of sense, yeah. I also think that... um... I want to get your perspective as well. Um, you know, looking competitive is one great way, but I think sometimes brands can get into a bubble where they're just competing with what's already out there. And I think that can sort of lock them in a little bit. So uh, what do you think about, you know, talking to customers and talking to your sales team, talking to the customer service team to get sort of insights from the end user, the end customer um, about, you know, things they're struggling with and that kind of thing. Can that be done to sort of come up with new topics to write about, new landing pages, that kind of thing? I mean, yeah, of course. I think you've got to always use your customer and listen to them anyway. I think just listen to what they're saying, any feedback they've given you. But also at, at the end of the day, what you create and if you're looking at what people are searching for on the internet, that's essentially what people want. So I think that it's, it's that fine balance between brand content, so what you think your customer wants and what maybe a focus group of 50 people tell you versus what the data shows that maybe 5,000 people want. And then you just have to try and weigh that up and find a middle ground, if that makes sense. And then it's down to the creativity of humans. It's just, it's just you take that data, you look at what's already out there doing well, how can we do it better and how can we do it differently? And that's sort of where you then sit in a room and you're like, right, this is what we're going to do. So that's sort of the more human part of it, if that makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely. Very cool. Okay, uh, so when it comes to ranking individual pages, right? So again, with e-commerce brands in particular, they may have individual product pages or landing pages that they're trying to rank. Uh, you know, let's say I'm, let's say I am selling screen capture software, and I want to rank one specific page that offers you know the free version of that software, so I can get people into the funnel, that kind of thing. Most of us know about on-site SEO um, and gaining relevant links. So let's say that the, the company has got that sort of down. What else can they do? Maybe outside of the box uh, isn't always that obvious to sort of rank a specific page it, it, so it's very page by page basis is usually something that's sometimes done on a wider scale so what i mean by that is there'll be various different uh optimization you can do like for example product page breadcrumbs so that's just the if anyone listening doesn't know what breadcrumb is so it's just at the top where you follow where you, your journey is taken you so it's usually in the form of like arrows and then it's like one page arrow page arrow page so that's something that we usually implement uh, for SEO because it's, it's a gold mine because Google then crawls that as well as users can follow that. So something like that to sort of guide what the product is, that really helps with visibility. Another thing is product like description. So for example, if you are selling that tour software or whatever, you want to make sure that that page is as optimized as possible and the copy is as optimized as possible for like the description of it. It's like, what is it? What value does it bring? And make sure the structure is good so not like long essays anymore like break it up with bullet points so it's easy to scan on mobile um good images like good size fast page load stuff like this and just make sure the url is clean so we always uh, see quite a lot of like what's known as parameter urls so it's where you've got the clean url it might be like forward slash whatever your software is forward slash hts6 
slash start that sort of thing you want to make sure that it's a clean url um so there's loads of like wider optimizations you can do that sort of more global across the site that'll benefit your product page and then if you've got all of this sorted and if 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 the page is as optimized as it can be then google will start to pick up that page for specific keywords if that makes sense yeah it makes total sense very cool okay last thing i want to talk about is something that's um Growing it, growing in importance, um, and I'm sure you, you guys have come across it quite a bit. Working SEO, especially working with e-commerce companies, uh, which is voice search optimization. So with the emergence of like Alexa, Alexa skills, Amazon is now basically selling through voice. You know, you can order things from from your Alexa, and um, you know, e-commerce companies are, are catching on, realizing that this is something. This is a trend that's growing, and in a few years' time. You know, there are stats and studies, I don't have them to hand, but there are stats and studies that indicate and, and forecast that voice is going to be um, eventually the key way that people make, you know, the, the, the primary way that people make uh, online purchases. You know, they're going to say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, uh, hey, Steve, whichever the new one is going to come out. Um, order me order me t t 10 bottles of, of Evian and, and it'll come the next day. So how does an e-commerce company go about you know, voice search optimizing their their product pages first and foremost, and then maybe their broader pages as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yeah, like you mentioned, voice search has become a it's become a hot topic. I I personally sort of see it as anything in the industry. If you're doing a good job and you're following the best practice, nothing will fundamentally change no matter what the technology becomes, if that makes sense. So with the voice search, a lot of people are jumping on it naturally just because it's a hot topic. They know they can get quite a lot of traffic through it. People are worried about it, like it's fine. But I think for me, if you've already optimized your site and you're optimizing your content as if someone's reading it with their own eyes, it'll be optimized for voice search. And that's basically just what we're seeing through everything that we're working on, everything we're reading. So it's like, again, it just comes down to things like keyword research. So just think about how, what are people going to ask out loud versus maybe how they type it. This may vary. So again, you want to use certain tools like SEMrush for keyword research. You may want to use other tools like Answer the Public, which is a great tool to sort of see what people are asking um, around certain around a certain topic. So say if I put in, I don't know, artificial intelligence into, into Answer the Public, it'll come out with like a huge brainstorm of like, a hundred potential questions that people are asking Google at the moment. And then you sort of want to look at those and then get a better understanding of what it is people are searching for and then what they'll most likely say when when they say it out loud. Another feature is when you when you Google something now, you'll see it's usually either under the feature snippet, so the first result or the second result. There's usually like four or five FAQs that Google now has. It's like it's called people also ask section. That's also something that Google itself is just optimizing and it's perfect voice there. So just have a look around the topic, what Google is showing for that people also ask thing, create content around that, get that onto your site because that's what people are going to be saying out loud if they are going to be do it, if they are going to do this. And then it's just understanding the user journey. So there'll be like different, I mean, there'll be different ways that people ask something like the awareness side of it might be like, what's, what's the best, what's the best AI system out there? Whereas interest may be like, can you make a phone call using, I don't know, AI or something like this, if that makes sense. And then a purchase may be like, where can I buy something like an Amazon Echo or something like this. So it's just understanding what people may ask at different stages of the buyer funnel. Um, that, that's, that's the main thing, really. It's just optimizing, like as if you're optimizing content for mobile, I think that's what you need to do for voice search. My personal opinion, though, a lot of people are making a big rave out of it. I just can't see it ever becoming as big as people are saying. It's something, obviously, we always focus on, and we, we will anyway. 
but I just can't see uh, even myself. I don't think I'll start buying things by talking to a computer. I like to see things before I want to buy it. And even so, I work online, but I myself am not a huge online shopper because I like to see things and feel things. And I think it's the same thing. I just can't see it. Obviously, it will catch on and it will become a lot more popular. I just personally, just based on my own experience sort of reading on it, I can't see it becoming as big a deal as people think it is. So what I always say to clients is don't worry about that or the future. Just focus on optimizing your content now for mobile because that's what's happening now and it will continue to happen because mobiles will only continue to get maybe even bigger, maybe even smaller. <laughs> They'll continue to just get more popular in terms of use. So optimize all your content for mobile. And then if the time comes that voice search really does boom, you'll be in a good place anyway because what you've optimized for mobile content or for reading now will be perfect for voice search because that's what people uh, people will say things how they type them now anyway excellent excellent okay interesting that you don't see it becoming massive i do i do i don't get you because um i don't think you'll ever be able to you will, will ever be able to use voice to order things like you know a tv or even like or even a t-shirt or clothing you know i don't think that'll ever that'll ever be something that gets big because as you say people are going to want that that visual you know, at least to see it on, I mean, even me, I don't like to buy clothes online that often because, you know, sometimes you've got to wear it and, and see what it looks like in real life. You've got to feel the material, that kind of thing. But obviously the, the, the fashion and the clothing industry is massive online. So I'm, I'm probably in the minority. But again, when it comes to voice, that's probably not going to be um, a massive growth space uh, because you just can't see anything, obviously. I think where voice commerce will come in and, and, uh, and, and grow is those kind of things that we, we know what they are and they're just little bits bits and bobs around the home and around the office that we just want to order quickly. Again, Evian bottles, staples, that kind of thing, where you just want to tell Alexa quickly to, to buy you you know, a new notebook that you, that you buy all the time. That kind of thing maybe is, is what's going to grow. But I do agree with you. I can't see it being like, I can't see it sort of overtaking, you know, Gen, you know, online e-commerce as we see it today totally because of what I just said. So I do agree with you. Um, uh, I wanted to touch on a couple more things you said as well. So the um, uh, Google's people also ask section, is, I think I just want to reiterate your point. You've already made the point, but I think it's really, really important. You know, those, those it has like, and I'm, I'm sure people have seen it, it's on mobile and on desktop now. And they're like little accordion buttons where you can press, they've got like four or five little um, tabs with questions on them that, that commonly cost uh, like FAQs. And you, you click on them and it opens up to the little answer. And I think that is Google's way of telling you as somebody who's search engine optimizing their website or building content or both, this is, this is an important topic, so write something on this topic, you know, or make a video on this topic, or make a podcast on this topic, because people are asking about it. And you can literally take those questions and make them your blog post title, or make them a landing page um, sort of intro, and, and, and go from there. I think you'll have a lot of success with voice there, and just in general, uh, SEO in general. Another, another thing you touched on, Antonio, is um, Answer the Public, which I think is a fantastic tool, again, for voice and in general. Uh, so if you Google Answer the Public, you'll, you'll find the website. Again, you could type in a query. It's kind of like keyword research, but it doesn't just give you keywords. It gives you it gives you whole questions that people are asking, and the, and the way they're formatting that question as well on search engines. So you can art, so you can just you know put in a keyword, and it'll show you all the different types of questions people are asking around that keyword. Uh, and you can just go in there, see how popular these questions are, and again make uh, make content around that. So again, if you're listening to this and you're and you're wondering about new content, uh, how to create new content with SEO value as well. Check out Answer the Public and check out the People Also Ask sections on Google. Uh, and thanks, Antonio, again, for bringing those two points up. Really, really useful. I'm going to move us on to the, the quick fire round. You ready for this? Uh, yeah, go for it. I love it. Awesome. So what's your favorite social network right now? 
Ooh, Instagram. Okay, how come? Uh, I just love I love how visual it is, and I love how it's taken off, and it allows you to connect with people uh, all over the world who and sort of see into their lives. So I, I love it for that reason. But at the same time, I also know that it's a, it's a good platform to show only the good side of your life. And it's sometimes quite deceptive. So it, there's there's goods and bads to it. But I think that's why I love it, because it's such a it's such a temperamental platform. And it's the one that I'm always on the most. So. Yeah, I think um, I think I'm, I'm leaning there as well. I, I, I love the stories feature. Ever since the stories feature was released, uh, you know, they they uh, brazenly stole that from Snapchat, but I think they've they've taken it to a new level, and I think it's just really great. And it gives their brands and, and personal brands a sort of different dimension. So I, I'm thinking LinkedIn is obviously the main one for me, but uh, Instagram is really making up some some ground. Next question is, um, whose content are you consuming the most right now? Whether that's on social media, books, podcasts, whatever it may be. As in a person or just a medium? Um, let's go for a person. Uh, I mean, it's, it's quite stereotypical, but for the last month or so, I've been quite following what Gary Vaynerchuk is doing on Instagram because I love his okay. videos. Um, who's, who's Gary Vaynerchuk? I'm kidding. Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely I'm kidding. Gonna say, I was going to say, <laughs> no. hey, I've got to go now, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I love Gary V. I, I listen to his um, podcast pretty, almost every day. Uh, and he's another he's another person who's killing it on Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, I think what I think uh, his his Twitter strategy is, is is just amazing. But yeah, Gary mm. V. What 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 draws you into Gary V? Is it his personality or is it the content he creates and just the fact that he's so he's so sort of granular with his content? I just think he's just he's just a genius of how he's built his personal brand. It, yeah. it, the only thing I really, the only thing I can say about him, I don't even know him. I just think he's a legend, and that says <laughs> yeah. enough of what he's done as, yeah. as a personal brand. It's. What, everything he says you almost get the feeling of oh this guy's he knows what he's talking about he sort of take yeah. a step back and sometimes i watch a video and i'll leave that video thinking at the same time what he's just said is complete rubbish but i love it anyway <laughs> yeah. so that's why i just love it because it's, it's quite again it's just that like i watch him and it's quite inspirational and i love sort of yeah. what he was saying back in the day and like his videos are epic but at the same time like this guy's it's just blagging his way to a personal brand i'm like if he can do it anyone can do it it's just it's just it, it makes you feel a lot better about yourself when you're in marketing it's true it is true i mean 80 percent of the stuff he says 80 to 90 percent of the stuff he says is just so bang on but sometimes you get this 10 percent where it's just like oh, i don't think about i don't think so gary on that one and sometimes um my wife she, she catches me listening to him like on, on loud uh, loudspeaker podcast that kind of thing and she, and she would walk in at a, a stage where he's talking about something in depth so he's, he's gone off like a multiple tangents as he does right and he's talking about something really vague and you know tangent what ta you know off a tangent and she's just like, what is this guy talking about? This guy's talking absolute rubbish. And then at that point, I just turn and I'm just like, I really can't defend him because right now he is kind of talking rubbish. But if you knew he, what he was talking about before and everything like that, you'd, you'd understand. But I do love I do love Gary Vee. I do. I think he's great. And then I just listen to like a load of podcasts as well on the side. I'm, I'm, I'm traveling around. I'm like traveling a lot. So I just love to whack on the podcast and just sort of fire through them. So that's all my favorite medium and content. Likewise, likewise. Okay, final question is, what is your one tip for content marketers? Help the, help the, help the audience, I guess. I mean, it's, it's literally just as simple as that. Just help the audience understand who you're writing to and how you can offer value to them that's helpful to them. Not just going to make them buy a product, but that's going to make them feel like, okay, this has added value to my life. And if you can do that through your content marketing efforts, if you keep doing it consistently, you, you'll, you'll make a lot of money out of it. It's, it's quite simple. Excellent. Antonio, thanks so much for today. How can people find you online? 
Cool. Uh, so our website is just thisisnovos.com or you can just find me on LinkedIn, just Antonio Edrell, search me there. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. The lot if you just search my name. I don't think anyone has my surname in the world. So it should be, it should be <laughs> quite easy to find me. Excellent, excellent. Thanks very much again. Cool, thanks, Kaya. Guys, thank you for listening to Content and Caffeine. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to share it with your friends and your colleagues. And please remember to rate and review us on iTunes or whichever app you're listening to us on. If you're looking for show notes, head over to wordify.co forward slash podcast. And I'll see you again next week.